0: Good afternoon, dear friends, dear Sangha. Today is uh, December the 24th in the year 2013 and we are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall of the Upper Hamlet Village. Christmas is always uh, an opportunity for us to meditate on the topic of uh, home, true home. Have you got a home? That is the passion. The Buddha did not have a home when he was a young person. Although he was born a prince, although he had a lot of uh, material comforts, although he knew that he is going to become a king, but he did not feel at home. He was unhappy with all these uh, material uh, conditions and comforts. And he left the palace in order to find a home, a true home. And Jesus Christ, he was born a refugee. and he was uh, trying to find his uh, home also. In the Gospel, uh, Jesus said that uh, foxes have the hole, and birds of the air have the nest, but the son of man does does not have a place to lay his head on. He did not have a home. But both uh, the Buddha and uh, the Christ uh, practice, and they have found that true home. And you are uh, their continuation. You are a continuation of the Buddha, you are a continuation of Jesus Christ. You have to, to follow their teaching and their practice in order to find the true home. Have I got a true home? A true home is a place where you find comfortable, at ease. You don't want to go anywhere anymore. Because you feel so at home, so comfortable. Have you found such a place? Many of us have been looking for a home, but we have so far not found it. When you come to Plum Village, you are offered a kind of practice that helps you find a home. And the practice is very concrete. Your home is not exactly located in space or time. Now, everywhere you go, you can find your true home. <coughs> and that is why uh, in Plum Bridge we speak of uh, I have arrived, I am home, as the first uh, fruit of your practice. If you practice well, and then you can arrive. You can arrive at home with every breath, and with every step. And many of us have been able to realize that we feel comfortable in our true home, and every breath can bring us to our true home. Every step, also. If you practice uh, walking meditation or mindful breathing, and if you have not touched your true home, because you have not uh, done it uh, properly, because in principle every breath can bring you home. And every step can bring you home. And you are looking for home, not uh, somewhere else sometime uh, in the future, but right in the here and the now. And those of us who have practiced uh, well enough, we have found our true home in the here and the now, with every step and every breath. When you practice uh, mindful breathing, We focus our attention on our in breath And we bring our mind home to our body. Our body may be the first home. We have to try to make our body a home. Are you in conflict with your body? Do you hate your body? Have you made an acquaintance with your body? Can you feel at home with your body? Our body is a wonder of life. (coughs) It's like that flower. In front of us, it is a wonder of life. In published that is a true flower. Every one of us is a flower in the garden of humanity. But maybe many of us do not know how to take care of our flower, of ourselves, of our body. So we have lost uh, quite a, quite a lot of our flowerness, our freshness and our beauty. Many of us have lost our beauty and freshness because we don't know how to take care of our body. So the first thing you like to do is to go home. and recognize that you have a body. Your your body is a wonder. When you spend two hours with your computer, you forget entirely that you have a body. And when the mind is not with the body, you are not really there, alive. In the teaching of the Buddha, you are only alive when your mind and your body are together. Your mind becomes an embodied mind. You you exist only, you are truly alive only when your mind is with your body. And how to make body and mind together? just breathe in mindfully. Because when you breathe in mindfully, you bring your mind home to your body, and it takes only two, three seconds. And there you are, body and mind united. And the fruit is called the oneness of body and mind. And that can be realized just by one in-breath. It's so easy and every one of us can do. Just enjoy breaking in and bring our mind home to our body and suddenly we are fully present in the here and the now. And in the here and the now there are so many wonders of life. First of all, your body is a wonder of life. And then the air you breathe is a wonder of life. And the rain is a wonder of life. And the flower is a wonder of life and everything surrounding us is a wonder of life. And uh, when we go home to our body, we have a chance to recognize all these wonders of life that are available in the present (coughs) moment. If we do well, then all of that becomes your true home. In Plum uh, our brothers and sisters they they um, program a bell of mindfulness in their computer. Every quarter of an hour, <coughs> the bell is invited, and they stop working, thinking, and they go back to the in breath and out breath. When they come home to their body, they feel they are there, truly alive. They enjoy mindful breathing at least three times, and smile before they continue uh, their work. So you may like to do the same. You may download the Bell of Mindfulness from the blog website, and that will remind you to go home to your body from time to time to be alive again. Life is short. (coughs) And when you are home to your body, you might notice that there is quite a lot of tension, stress in your body. You have been working so hard. You have allowed uh, tension and pain to be accumulated in your body. You have not been kind enough to your body. So that kind of awareness is born when you go home to your body. Recognizing the tension and the pain the stress in your body, you would like to do something in order to help release that tension, reduce the amount of pain in your body. And that is possible. And the Buddha provides us with an exercise that can help us release the tension in our body. The third exercise of mindful breathing is breathing in, I am aware of my body. With and out, I smile to my body. That is an act of reconciliation with your body. You smile to your body. I'm sorry, my body, I have uh, let you down. I have been neglecting you. I have allowed uh, stress and tension and pain to be accumulated in my body. So the Buddha was very um, uh, practical. (coughs) Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. While you breathe in, you come home to your body, you recognize your body as a wonder. And then when you breathe out, you smile to your body. And your smile can bring relaxation because smiling is an act of love. On your face there are many hundreds of uh, muscles. And when you are angry or worried, you are very tense. Three hundreds of muscles. But if you, you know how to smile, and then you can release the tension in the... 300 muscles on the face. And if you look into the mirror, you find out that you look much better. Mm, Look much better. Sitting in the car, you might look at yourself in in a little mirror to see whether you are beautiful enough. you are tense, then you are not beautiful enough. And uh, when the other person is driving, you take the time to breathe, to relax your body, you smile. That is the practice. You don't need to go to a um, meditation hall in order to practice mindfulness. Just sitting in your car and enjoy breathing releasing the tension in your body and enjoy the hills, the trees, what you see through the window. That is the third exercise of mindful breathing offered by the Buddha. Recognizing the body, smiling to the body. And every day, we can enjoy that practice several times. Before you brush your teeth, why don't you look at yourself in a mirror and smile to yourself and release at attention? And that moment can be a happy moment, that moment can be a wonderful moment. And that is the virtue of mindfulness. Mindfulness can create moments of uh, peace, moments of joy, moment, moments of relaxation, moments of happiness. And that, that is the third uh, exercise of mindful breathing. Aware, Being aware of your body and smile to your body. You are so kind to your body. you are making your body part of your home, your home. And that fourth exercise of mindful breathing prescribed by the Buddha is, breathing in, I allow my body to release the tension. And breathing in, breathing out, you release the tension in your body. Whether you are in a sitting position like this, You can do that. Sitting meditation, you have to be relaxed. You don't fight, struggle during sitting meditation. You allow your body to be relaxed. And you enjoy every minute of sitting. And the first thing you do in sitting meditation is to allow your body to rest and to relax. to be right in the here and the now. And you allow your body to to have a chance to recover itself, to heal itself. Because with, a, with uh, the practice of releasing the tension, you give your body a chance to heal. Don't rely on the medicine on medication alone, no. Your body has a power to heal itself, if you allow it to do so. And the way to do it is to allow it to rest, to release the tension. (coughs) Remember, when you cut your finger, you don't have to do anything, just wash it. And your body knows how to to heal. So you have to believe in the power of healing of our own body. and uh, We have to uh, authorize our body to heal. We know that an animal living in the forest, when she is deeply wounded, she knows what to do. She stops running to look for something to eat, or running after another animal, she <coughs> know that it's not wise to do so, and that kind of wisdom has been transmitted to that animal by several generations of ancestors. So the animal finds a place and just lies down, doing nothing, because the animal knows deeply that that is the best way to get healed because they don't have a doctor, they don't have a, a drug store, a pharmacy. So the animal lay down for two days, three days, four days, and they heal. And now, only after that, that the animal stands up and try to find something to eat. We human beings we used to have that kind of wisdom. But with the modern age, we have forgotten We don't know how to rest anymore. We don't allow our body to, to rest, to release tension. We rely entirely on medication. And that is why this exercise is very helpful for our modern time. Recognize the body, smile with, it, and then release the tension in your body to help your body to heal. There are many reasons why you have abandoned your body. Because in your body there may be feelings and emotions that are not pleasant. You have painful feelings and you have uh, painful emotions, but you do not know how to handle. <coughs> and you think, and the emotions generated in your body, there is a feeling of loneliness, of feelings, and most of us seek to cover them up. Pretending that they are not there. The loneliness, the despair, the anger, the fear, they are not there. You pretend those of us who do not feel very well inside and in order to forget that, we go and look for something to eat, even if we are not hungry at all. We eat because we feel that eating might help us are addicted to food because they are using food as a means to cover up uh, the suffering inside. <coughs> and there are those of us who to turn on the television and go to the web uh, to look for some, something, <coughs> hoping that uh, with these uh, films, with these uh, entertainments, With these musics, uh, you can cover up the suffering in you, and you can survive. And that is the characteristic, uh, the main characteristic of of our civilization now. We don't know how to handle the suffering inside of us. That is why we try to cover them up with consumption. And the market provides us with every kind of items so that we can use in order to to run away from ourselves and to cover up the ill, the feeling of ill being, in ourselves. And electronic devices that they sell in the market are to help us run away from ourselves. And that is uh, that is the, the direction of our civilization which is not a good one. Trying to run away from self, run, run away from families and nature. Because if we don't know how to take care of ourselves, how to love ourselves, and how can we take care and love the people in our families? So we are running not only from ourselves, but also for, from our family and from nature, which has the power to nourish and to heal us. The practice of mindfulness helps you to reverse the tendency, helping help you to go home to yourself, and to take care of yourself. If you know how to take care of your body, if you know how to take care of your feelings and emotions, you will feel more comfortable with your body, with your feelings. If you know how to create a feeling of peace, of joy, of happiness in your body, in your feelings, and then you are in the process, of creating, creating a true home for yourself. You feel comfortable with your body, with your feelings. You are not afraid of a painful feeling anymore because you know how to handle, handle it. The fifth exercise of mindful breathing offered by the Buddha is to generate a feeling of joy. Yes, every one of us can generate a feeling of joy for our own nourishment. And the way is simple enough. When you breathe in, mindfully, and bring your mind home to your body, and when your body and mind are together, you are established in the here and the now. And you recognize that you are very lucky that you have so many conditions of happiness that, you can, that can make you happy right here and right now. You have eyes still in good conditions. You need only to open your eyes in order to, to get in touch with the paradise of forms and colors. There are oysters which live on the depth of the sea. They don't have eyes. They have never seen the blue sky and the stars. They have never seen the ocean and the waves. And you do have eyes. And you don't enjoy what you see. The oysters, they don't have ears. But you can hear the sound of the wind, the songs of the birds. And you don't enjoy. So mindfulness helps us to go home to the here and the now and recognize all these wonders of life so that you can create a feeling of joy a feeling of happiness. That is mindfulness. Mindfulness is a source of joy and happiness because it helps us to recognize the many wonders of life that are available in the now. <coughs> they help us to recognize the conditions of happiness that we do already have. We don't need more conditions of happiness. You are lucky enough. We have lungs good enough for us to enjoy breathing the fresh air. We have a heart that still functions normally. We have strong feet that help us to run and to walk. We have so many conditions of happiness, more than enough to be happy. That is why generating a feeling of joy Generating a feeling of happiness is always possible for a practitioner of mindfulness. Joy and happiness is a practice. And with mindful breathing, mindful walking, you can create a feeling of joy and happiness whenever you want and wherever you want. And that is the fifth and the sixth exercise of mindful breathing proposed by the Buddha, generating a feeling of joy, generating a feeling of happiness. That is the art of happiness taught by the Buddha. And each of us should be an artist capable of generating joy and happiness for us and for the people we love. And then with the seventh exercise of mindful breathing the buddha advises us to recognize that painful feeling that painful emotion that is arising and a good practitioner of mindfulness should know how to recognize a painful feeling a painful emotion and not trying to run away from it. We have to be there to take care of them. And that is the art of suffering. We learn the art of happiness, and we learn the art of suffering. How to suffer. And we have discovered that if you know how to suffer, you suffer much less much, much less than the other people who do not know how to suffer. And the seventh and the eighth exercise of mindful breathing is to instruct us how to suffer. With mindfulness, with the practice of mindful breathing, and walking, we can generate enough of that energy of mindfulness. And we can go home to ourselves without fear. We do not risk to be overwhelmed by the painful feeling, the painful emotion. With that energy of mindfulness, we can recognize them, smile to them, good morning, good afternoon, my pain, my sorrow, my fear. I will, I will take care of you. That is the voice of mindfulness. Don't worry, I take care of you. I'm not coming away anymore. I know how to take care of you. Your pain, your sorrow, is a source of energy that is not pleasant. And when it comes up, as a source of energy, you should know how to handle them. And the method uh, prescribed by the Buddha is to practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, to, to generate the energy of mindfulness. And with that energy of mindfulness, you recognize the presence of uh, the painful feeling or the painful emotion. You don't try to cover up anymore this mental formation. You don't try to run away anymore from it. You are there. You recognize it. Hello there, my anger, my fear, my loneliness. I would take good care of you. And uh, with the energy of mindfulness, you embrace the energy of fear or anger. It's like a big brother holding the young brother without any violence, and I had to learn to do that. And if you are a beginner in the practice, you may borrow the collective energy of mindfulness of your community in order to do that. You sit among us. And you, are, you practice mindful breathing, and you ask the sangha, dear brothers and dear sisters in the practice, he is my pain, he is my sorrow, he is my despair. Please help, recognize and hold it, hold it for me. So you make good use of the collective energy of mindfulness, of your community, and embrace it. And if you do, and then you suffer less. After a few minutes of practice. It's like a mother holding her child. The baby suffers. But the mother pick up the baby and hold the baby tenderly in her two arms. And the energy of tenderness from the mother begins to penetrate into the body of the baby and the baby begins to suffer less. The energy of mindfulness begins to penetrate into the zone of energy of pain. And release the tension and <coughs> calm the pain. So the seventh and the eighth exercise of mindfulness is to recognize and to calm down the painful feeling, the painful emotion. And we, as practitioners of mindfulness, we should learn how to do it. And in the beginning, we can ask our brothers and sisters in the practice to support us, because they will lend us their mindfulness that is why practicing with the sangha is always easier, because we can make good use of, uh, of the collective energy of peace and mindfulness. And then to, to calm down a painful feeling, To calm down a painful emotion is something you can always do with the practice of mindful breathing and walking. And it's possible to survive a strong emotion just by the practice of mindful breathing, mindful uh, walking. And with the exercise that follows, you can radically transform that, uh, that pain in yourself. So we build our true home slowly, and with the help of uh, our brothers and sisters in the practice. The best thing you find when you come to Plum Village It's not a meditation hall or uh, a kitchen or anything, or the bell tower, but uh, the energy of the sangha. Because many of us live here, practice together, and create the collective energy of brotherhood, sisterhood. And that collective energy of brotherhood, sisterhood, and uh, joy, and mindfulness are the best product that we can offer. And when you come, uh, that is the best thing uh, we can offer to you. You know that uh, most of us, all of us in Plum Village, uh, monks, nuns, uh, many of us, the majority of us are still very young. We come and build a true home together. None of us has a, a bank account, a private bank account. You might be surprised, how can we survive with a, without a bank account? But in fact, no one of us has a private bank account. No one of us has a private home, house or car. And yet, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy, are possible with the practice of mindfulness. We share the same future. We live together, we support each other, we listen to each other, we help each other to transform. We have the time to sit together, to eat together, to walk together, to work together as brothers and sisters in a community, and that community is our home. Jesus found his community and the Buddha also found his Sangha. Every one of us has a dream. Like Martin Luther King, he said, I have a dream. <laughs> and what is that dream? In the teaching of the Buddha there is a source of uh, nutriment that is called uh, volition. Every one of us should have uh, that kind of uh, nutriment, that kind of food. Every one of us should have a desire, a deep, deep desire. We want to do something with our life. (laughs) What do I want to do with my life? You sit down, you breathe, and you find out what do you want to do with your life. The Buddha did have a deep desire to practice and to liberate himself and to help other people to suffer less. Experience of peace and joy, and that is his deep, deepest desire. And he was able to realize his desire. He knew that alone he cannot do much. That is why he decided to build a community, a sangha. A Buddha without a sangha cannot do much. And Jesus did have the same insight. He tried to build a Sangha. His Sangha was not as big as the Sangha of the Buddha, but that is the beginning of Christianity as a community. Twelve people, thirteen people. The Buddha began with uh, five friends who had practiced with him. And from that he he built a sangha of several thousands of monks and nuns and lay people. And everyone is accepted in his sangha, king or minister or scavengers, no no discrimination about race and and so on. And the Buddha spent a lot of his time building a Sangha, building a community. And after the Buddha passed away, his community <coughs> community, his Sangha continues his, his, his work, helping people to suffer less. So Jesus Christ did the same. He built a Sangha. But he did not have as much time as the Buddha to build a Sangha. When I met Martin Luther King in Chicago for the first time, in 1966, we did discuss about sangha. I met him again in Geneva. And we also discussed about sangha building. And we agreed that without our sangha, we cannot go very far. <coughs> By that time, Luther King used the term, has used the term, the beloved community. In probably we call it Sangha. A community where there is brotherhood, <coughs> sisterhood. Joy, mindfulness and peace. They will nourish everyone. And that is the best thing we offer to those who come with us. And uh, we organize uh, days of mindfulness, retreats of mindfulness in Plum Village, and a little bit everywhere. We have monastic communities uh, in America, three of them, Blue Cliff, uh, Deer Park, and... Uh, Magnolia Grove. <laughs> We have Plum Village in France, we have diabetes uh, uh, in Germany, we have Thai International in Thailand, we have Niplu uh, in Australia, we have Chuling uh, Tea in Hong Kong and so on. So our Sangha, our home is everywhere. And dear friend, you are our Sangha also. We have built the Sangha in every country. In every big cities, there are groups of people practicing mindfulness. Without the Sangha, we cannot continue our practice easily. Without the Sangha, we cannot keep our practice strong for a long time. And That is why Sangha building is a very important very important part of the practice. And if you are a friend of the Buddha of Jesus, if you are the continuation of the Buddha of the Jesus, and you have to build a Sangha wherever you are to continue the practice. Martin Luther King was assassinated not long after our last meeting, but uh, I myself was able to continue the Sangha building in the West. I left my country in '66. I thought that uh, I would visit uh, Europe and America only for three months to call for the cessation of the war in Vietnam. But after that, they did not allow me to go home, and I had to spend 40 years in exile. I did not have a home. All my friends were in Vietnam. All my work was in Vietnam. So knowing that uh, I don't have I have left my home there, I begin to, to build a home here in Europe and in America. So, in every big city, there are uh, groups of people practicing mindfulness uh, affiliated with Village, And uh, Sangha Building is uh, something all of us uh, take uh, into heart. We know that it is a very important part of our practice. What do I want to do with my life? That is a good question. That those of us who get old and who ask themselves, ourselves, what have I done? What have I done with my life? So we should have uh, an aspiration, a strong aspiration, a strong desire. Because if you have that desire, that strong aspiration, you have a a lot of energy. You want to realize something with your life. And with that uh, powerful source of energy, you are not afraid of uh, overcoming the difficulties uh, in front of you. So you need that kind of energy called volition, aspiration. The year is ending and we want to ask ourselves, what is the thing I want to do with my life? As a couple, you might have to, to sit together and ask each other, Darling, what is your dream? What is the deepest desire of your life? May I share? May I support you? Because. Because what we want is not just the material comforts and affective comforts. We want to do something really good with our life. And that is why we have to sit down and ask each other. If we don't communicate like that, we will not understand each other, and our happiness will not be strong enough. So for a couple, uh, this is very important. You sit down and you ask, Darling, do you have a dream to realize? realize? And do we share the same kind of dream? Because Jesus had a dream, the Buddha also had a dream. And they want to realize that, that with their daily life. Martin Luther King had that famous speech, I have a dream. And when a young man has some time, he may sit down with his father and ask his father, Daddy, when you were young, did you have a dream? What was your dream? What do you, did you want to do in your life? Are you able to realize that? Can I help you? Can I continue your dream? That kind of talk is very important, that connect you with your father. We are not just talking about uh, um, uh, daily daily concerns. Daily, we are talking about ultimate concern. (coughs) Each of us should meditate on our ultimate concern, what I really want to do with my life. And I think father and son should discuss with each other. And if you have not been able to realize your dream, your son may help realize that for you. And in that case, there will be a connection, a good communication between father and son. And the quality of the relationship will be improved. So from now to the beginning of next year, we might think about that. We may write, or we may call the other person and discuss about this, about the ultimate concern, and not just the daily concern. And that is something that we can reflect and meditate on on this day, Christmas. When you organize a retreat in uh, England, uh, Germany, uh, Canada, uh, India, we see so many people transform and heal. Because the practice of mindfulness that we offer is very practical. You learn how to release the tension in your body. You learn how to reduce the amount of pain in your body. You learn how to generate a feeling of joy, of happiness. You learn how to calm down a painful feeling, a painful emotion. You learn how to listen with compassion to help the other person to suffer. You learn how to speak in order to help the other person uh, to restore communication, mindful, uh, deep listening, and loving speech are the kind of practice that can always restore communication and reconcile. Our our retreat of mindfulness is <coughs> last six days. And uh, there may be 800, 1,000, 1,400 people attending for six days in a row. And in order to conduct such a retreat, we should have many uh, brothers and sisters. One teacher, one person cannot handle a retreat like that. We should have a sangha. Because in such a retreat, we have uh, to organize many groups of Dharma discussion, discussion uh, many groups of uh, sharing. We had to, enough people, to get enough people to listen to the suffering of other people and to offer a way out. And there were people who did not find comfortable in the first and second day. But uh, they were able to relax on the third day. And on the fifth day, they are so happy. Uh, and and uh, they are able to transform themselves. And they are able to reconnect with themselves and restore communication with uh, the other person. Even if the other person is not in the retreat. They can use uh, the telephone in order to practice uh, loving speech and deep listening. <coughs> and the miracle of transformation and reconciliation always happen in our retreats. And we as a community, we are nourished by that kind of transformation and healing. And that encourages us to continue. And we know that we continue the work of the Buddha, the work of Jesus Christ. Although we live simply, no one has a private bank account, or house, or car, but our happiness is uh, important enough to nourish us. And we really you that we have a home. Wherever you go, the sangha is with us. And the fact is that when you, you go uh, somewhere for one week or two, you always uh, uh, long to go back to your sangha. It's because sangha is your home. So you have to practice in such a way that our family becomes a sangha, our community becomes a sangha, whether that community is a corporation, a school, or a hospital. So if doctors and nurses know how to practice mindfulness, they can transform their hospital into a practice center. And with uh, their capacity of uh, being relaxed and smiling and less deep listening and loving speech, they can help uh, the patients to heal much more quickly. They don't just work for a salary, they work to help people to suffer less. Dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, we come together on this day of Christmas in order to have an opportunity to look deeply again of our life and to have a clearer uh, idea of our to whom we should know what we really want. We should devote our time and energy to build our true home. Without our to home, we cannot realize our dream. Merry Christmas. Joyeux Noël.